Welcome on in. Welcome on in to the Leadership Podcast. The Leadership Podcast is where we will explore transformational power of personal leadership. We're going to deep dive into conversation with influential leaders, experts, and change makers who are reshaping the way we lead and inspire others. Our goal here on the Leadership Podcast is simply to influence, inspire, and empower men to make the shift in their personal leadership by becoming the best version of themselves. We will share tools, tips, and resources to ignite self-awareness and authenticity. It's all about helping men become more effective and impactful in their leadership. Get ready. The shift is about to take place. It's the Leadership Podcast with Dwayne Roberts. Unlock your true potential with the Leadership Community, where we empower men to embrace self-awareness and authenticity. Introducing the Leadership Community, where we believe in helping men become the best version of themselves. It all starts with self-awareness, and we encourage men to take a step back, pause, and reflect on their thoughts, emotions, and behavior. Embrace their authenticity and break free from societal expectations. Here are just a few testimonies from individuals. Leadership helped me develop self-awareness and embrace my authentic self. And now I feel more confident and fulfilled. Question, are you ready to unlock your potential? If so, join the leadership community today and embark on a transformational journey of self-discovery and personal growth. Leadership empowers men to become the best version of themselves through self-awareness and authenticity. You can learn more about the leadership community by visiting the webpage DwayneHRoberts.com. Well, I, uh, 25 plus years, mm-hmm. I'm in New York City in the field of education, and I spent about 15 of those years in the classroom or as a teacher leader. I'm in the Boogie Down South Bronx, and I spent the, that's where I spent my entire career in the last 10 um, as a high school principal okay. in the South Bronx. And so during the um, pandemic, I did the 16-hour shifts for almost two years wow. and sort of burnt that candle on both ends. So basically what that looked like was I had my scholars in virtual real life class in session from eight to one. Then I had my, I had a team, um, I I called them my frontline team and they called all the students who weren't available during the morning or we couldn't find them or they didn't log on and they got them on from three to five. And then I had a 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. for my seniors only because they were either working or supporting their or helping their siblings out or, you know, there was just not enough technology in the household. So we had to put something in place for them as well. So when you're running that type, that kind of shift for two years, you do some stuff to yourself. Um, and then occasionally I was knocking on doors with my social worker and trying to find my babies. Um, so always sort of like in it to win it. I've always either worked in environments where the schools were sort of like shaky on stability or they were failing schools. Um, that's sort of where my passion has always been. 
Um, even in my last school, just working on my stakeholders, my students as stakeholders. Like I've, I think I've had this conversation so much lately that we go through this inordinate amount of strategy and, and process. And all we have to do a lot of the times is invite the kids to the table. Like my kids were my stakeholders, my staff were my stakeholders, like invite the people that are in front of you to the table to make the shift and make the difference. And that was sort of like the key thing I did as an administrator was just invite the stakeholders that are most impacted by the environment that they're, the learning environment that they're in to the table. Um, so yeah, that's just sort of like how I did what I did sort of like transitioning during that pivotal point in COVID everyone's life. And so now taking what I've learned over the past 25 plus years into educational consulting, going into schools, supporting new teachers. Um, I see it's a high need in terms of like supporting new teachers. I also have a, a deep concern for the next generation of our kids. And so I see a lot of people just leaving the educational field in droves. And so that's alarming and a concern to me. And the reason why I pivoted into the coaching and the consulting field to get into as many communities as possible, to support as many uh, teachers as possible. So I do that. And I'm also partnered with a company in Finland called Arctic Nest, where I'm currently working on my PhD. Um, to really hone in on the strategies that work in a different country because they were where we are today in America and 20-something years ago, they made some shifts and some differences. So I want to study that country, see how they made those shifts and see what we can glean from that experience because everything doesn't work everywhere, but there are those impactful moments and strategies and structures that can always be taken from somewhere else that's successful and say, how can we glean from that and make improvements and shifts here? Like I said, I'm really concerned about the face of education and what it's looking like for our current and future generation of kids. No, I love it. Um, no, and thank you. Thank you for that. Um, shucks, with 25 years in um, in the field of education, you're currently in New York City? I'm still currently in New York, but I go... I go everywhere. I just actually, I just came back from Finland um, working with a group of school leaders from Indonesia. Uh, And then I was last week on election day, I was over in Boston doing some professional development there for, um, for, for, for staff members. Um, and just being able to collectively work together as leaders, that leadership training and student engagement. I love it. Uh, okay. And I heard you say something that's pretty interesting to me. You you call the students stakeholders, you know. Um, why is that? Because it's their community. It's their community. It's so, their community. It's not ours. I, I always I'm, I always told the staff, we're visitors. This mm. is their community. They have the biggest stake in what happens in their community. And so they should be invited to the table because we're here to serve them. If we don't have students, we don't have a business, we don't have a school. 
And so inviting them as stakeholders, because any decision that we're going to make, they should have a voice. Like that's why you have a company is because you invite those key members to the table. That's going to make decision. That's going to move your company forward. That's why you have that company, that corporation, your board members. So I believe that my students should be a part of being board members of the school that's impacting their life. And so that's why I call them stakeholders. No, I, I like that. So that's that's not a traditional role for, for students. Yeah, okay. That that's why I was kidding. I was like, hold on, that's not a traditional role for students. No. So, so no. I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. So what's been some of the impact and outcomes? Um, because I, I heard you say something a little to, uh, totally different, particularly during the time of COVID. Uh, the school schedule was off. It was different. It looked different. Um, so I'm thinking, did did that idea come from the stakeholders? What was some of that? You know, how was this stakeholders bringing these students in to add their voice and get their perspective help you become or lead from a different perspective? So one of the things when I initially walked into this particular school environment, I welcomed the students to meet with me before I met with any of the staff or or teachers. Um, So I welcomed them to the table to tell me what was working, what wasn't working, what were some of the things that they felt could uh, we could keep and what were some of the things they felt needed to shift. Now, it doesn't mean that everything was going to happen right then and there, but I wanted to hear from their lens first, because like I said, it's their community and they're the most impacted by what happens in their school community. So when I initially took over the school um, years prior, they were invited to the table. We went from having over 300 in the school when I inherited, it had over 300 incidents per school year. It's only 182 days in the school year. Wow. Um, Attendance was in the low 70s. Graduation was in the high 40%. So you have to first hear my lens. You have to first hear from them what is it that they really need in order to be able to make a difference, make an impact, not only just academically in a classroom, but you you want to make it an environment that they want to be in. And so you have to bring them to the table. So that was my initial start uh, seven years prior when I originally, originally started with the school. I was like, I think 2015 when I started with the school. Um, so they came in with the ideas. They came to the table. We talked about what worked, what wouldn't work. Um, we had one incident that happened in year two. It was uh, it was a blowout incident. It was it was a gang, basically a gang war fight that happened in the main corridor between two schools. So you're oh. talking about like 400 kids and just pure craziness. And I brought my kids to the auditorium right after, and I said, "We don't. We, that's not what we're here for. That's not the environment that we want." As a student government, you made some requests. You said you want to have these things. And I said, we're going to meet midway. I need you to do your part. And I'm going to do my part to get you the things. That's the initial conversation I had with them that you said you wanted in your environment. We had a very long conversation. I'm talking over 300 kids in an auditorium. And we're just having a conversation like a town hall. I want to hear what you have to say. 
What were some of those things? What were some of those, just maybe one, two things that they wanted and, and were you able to accommodate them? And how, how they, what was that? They wanted to have their career, like it was a career type high school. So they wanted, for example, for it to be more than just a career day. They wanted to have careers infused within their entire experience while they were there because they mm. felt like the one-off experience wasn't allowing them to connect with business owners, it wasn't allowing them to really connect with their careers. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the things that they really wanted to just get away from this. You come in, you give a presentation and then you're gone and we never see you again. Right. Um, so that was one of their requests. The other request, of course, is trips. But, you know, we want to do the academic trips, but we also want to have the trips that are fun. We want to do other things aside from, you know, the traditional experiences that we've been having in New York City since elementary school. So can we have these trips? So, like, can we do, like, a Fright Fest type thing for, like, a senior activity? Like, okay. like, 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 we're talking about some down, like, some real fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so they, and they wanted other things changed in the environment um, as well. But those were like the two top major things that they Wait, was on their request list. <laughs> no, I think I think that's beautiful. Were you able to meet that that need that request? Oh, or was yes. it Yeah. Oh, we went from having those one offs be every single ninth grader took entrepreneurship. It wasn't mm. a, it wasn't it was a requirement. It wasn't mm -hmm. a suggestion. So they were building their companies from the ground up. We were doing projects with WeWorks um, in Manhattan. So they got that. We had um, culinary. Most of that had my boys in it. I was so happy because I was like, yes, we're going to go to college and learn how to cook. Come on, guys. Um, so they had performing arts. They had coding. And then we also had a group of students that wanted that advanced track. So they wanted to do more than just the AP advanced placement classes. They wanted like college classes and we got them. They were working with Harvard, Cornell, taking college courses. So we got them to the point where they got those things that they, they needed. But in that moment, that was sort of like that pivotal deciding moment. I basically said, look, you have about 20 students here who it's not that they don't want an education. They just haven't quite understood the importance of it as yet mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. you can't allow that destruction from a small handful to determine your entire living environment because basically this is where they got most of what they needed right. um, and so they understood after that conversation and they walked out of there Dwayne and they the seniors were like we don't do that here anymore the cell phone stopped coming out they just they were given that opportunity to step up to the plate and have pride in their environment. And they took hold of it. Yeah. And so that was that defining moment mm -hmm. where when I gave them the power to make yes. a decision yeah. as to what type of environment you want to step into every day and let them know that the power is in your hands, yeah. they rose to the occasion. That's Absolutely. basically what happened. Yeah. And then we just kept meeting at the tables and different groups for different reasons and making those small shifts and changes, which is why we could go from over 300 incidents to less than 30 in four years oh, wow. and a graduation rate that went from 47, 48% to 80% in four Come years. On. Come on. So, yeah. and their attendance went from like low seventies to like in the eighties. So they, but it wasn't, um, 
there's no magic. Like it's not a one woman show. Like we worked collectively to make this happen. And the students were a huge catalyst in moving that forward. Once they're empowered with the boundaries and everything, like we got to the point. Okay. So this part may sound a little bit crazy, but it worked beautifully. Okay. All right. We had a leadership team because they got the leadership training and everything like that to the point where the students hired the teachers. Hold on. They got to choose what teachers came to to work at the school? Yes. Get out of here. Nope. They hired their teachers. Are you serious? Yep. They got the training, leadership training. They understood. They they took resume writing course. They understood how to read a resume. They worked on their own interview questions. They sat in the classroom when the teacher gave the demo lessons. And then, but the teacher didn't know that the students that were sitting in the class were going to interview. And at the end of their demo lesson, they would walk that candidate over to the interviewing room and ask the candidate their questions. So they got to decide and choose. That teacher is impacting their life at the end of the day. And so they got a say in the teachers that got hired in the building to provide instructions to them. I love that. I mean, I hear so much there. It's so rich too. Um, and I just, just in the story that you told, what I see, I see leadership. Uh, I see five practicing leadership that I, I, I love. And that's one being able to model who you desire to be and uh, in, inspiring a shared vision. Um, I, I see that within your community, within your students, um, enabling them to act, uh, to, to, to take charge and, and uh, take not just in charge of their life, but their education, mm-hmm. challenging them um, throughout the process. And then uh, I think there's a reward, right? There's a little, there's some encouragement. Not only do um, I, we're going to, we're going to rock with your vision, but we're going, we're going, we're going to, we're going to encourage you to make, see if you can make the best choices, you know, in your, how you desire to, to be educated. You know, um, I think that's phenomenal. I, I literally think that's phenomenal um, how you how you came in and made such a tremendous impact in this in this community. Um, I know there's a lot there. Right. And so given these 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 stakeholders, that's what you call them. I don't want to call them students. But given, <laughs> given these them scholars, my scholars were my stakeholders. Yeah. Uh, given the, these these are uh, these stakeholders. Um, what were some of the challenges in in, um, in developing this? Um, I, I I just didn't think you said it's not a one woman show or one person show. This took collective um, teamwork. What was some challenges there in the beginning, and maybe what uh, what was the process to overcome that challenge? Well, the challenge is coming in as a female. And looking at your the staff and them not necessarily believing that the shift can take place in their community because they had been in a situation of just negative interaction with each other as a staff. So when you come in and you're talking about us working together collectively and we are going to move the needle together and we are here for our students and one weak link in the chain is going to affect how every like that kind of conversation and dialogue was new and they didn't believe it. So it was sort of like just working through the mindset shift of the the team. And then 
taking those with you that want to do the work and ready to roll up your sleeve and then others seeing that it's happening and then slowly beginning to join the force of doing what the masses are doing. So it was, it was really shifting the mindset of the staff that it could happen with these kids. Yeah. 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 I think that's beautiful. That's real good. And and when I asked that question, the last person I, I was thinking about is the staff, but you actually, the, the biggest challenge might have been the buy-in of your team, your, uh, your team. Wow. That's good. Yeah. That's- and then, you know, you work with the other and, and for me, and and I think many many administrators will would probably totally disagree with me, but I was never worried about what was happening in their home life because a lot of people say, oh, we want more parent involvement. Parent involvement, I am all for parent involvement, and parent involvement is is crucial. But when you are working in certain communities where you know that the community that you're in they're on survival, like they're like, I gotta pay the rent, I gotta pay this, I gotta. They, they're not necessarily going to be the ones that are going to show up, but that right. doesn't mean that you still can't. It is more challenging, but you can still get to that, get to that kid. Yeah. You can still pull that child into being a part of the process. It yeah. just takes more energy and work. So I, I, I wasn't too worried about outside forces. Mm-hmm. I mean, but the one thing I needed, I needed my team inside so that when they came in, we were there for them. I like that. I love that. Um, and I know, and I know when you say the, some of the parents, some of these things can be challenging. Having the parents, they got full time jobs, they got other responsibilities that kind of keep hinder them. Let's say that mm-hmm. from from being more active or engaged with uh, their particular stakeholder, i.e., student. Um, man, that's good. And I think I heard you say too that you you had to take that extra mile. You was knocking on some doors. So I, I can I guess that, would that would that be some of that process you were talking about that I had to it I took a little bit more. That's been innate in me from being a teacher. Like mm-hmm. I was a teacher that took my dinner to your doorstep and said, can I come in and speak with you? So that's been my whole entire career. I always had one staff member that I would drag with me and say, okay, we're going to go visit some houses. And I got my dinner and I'm ringing your doorbell and I'm calling you on the phone. I'm saying, hey, you got like five minutes? Yeah. Well, yeah, I can... I'm downstairs. Is it okay if I come upstairs? I'm going to just keep you for five. So that's been it. I've had that my whole career. But during the pandemic, I pulled my social worker with me and we just had to go out and just find the ones that weren't logging on, find the ones that you know weren't there. Um, and a lot of what we did did come from our seniors. So I spoke heavily to the senior class to find out what they needed, what was working, what wasn't working to make whatever little tweaks and shifts we needed to make to be able to support them. That's good. So, so man, it's so much here. So much here. I promise you it's so much here. So do me this, do do, tease me a little bit. Give me a little back history on Miss Julia Bailey. Like what, what was it like for her um, growing up, coming up and moving into education, this realm called education, man. So, um, yeah. I was actually born in the Caribbean. I was born in St. Croix, U.S. Virgin okay. Islands. Um, came to New York City at the age of 16. Didn't know I was coming. I found out when my mama was selling the, the living room furniture. <laughs> I mean, there was no conversation. You don't talk to West Indian parents about things that are happening. You find out as it's happening. Um, so came up and had a lot of challenges. Just had a lot of unexpected challenges. I'm coming from a nice, comfortable cushy living in the Caribbean. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, nice breeze. Everybody takes everything a little bit slower, laid back. And just coming here was a culture shock, an academic shock, a mental shock, an emotional shock, all of it. Um, and so we had a lot of challenges. And one of the things that happened during high school, unfortunately, was I was homeless for about a year, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And so I had a couple of classmates that took me in and, you know, you slept on some bedroom floors and then you made it work. And then I just I went to college and just gradually started to understand what it meant to live in this because I didn't even have a chance to process it in high school, Um, but really start to navigate and understand what it means to live um, in New York City and be a part of this Big Apple And um, I had some challenges there as well, because I'm that get up and go person. And when you tell me I can't do something, I'm going to try to figure out another way around it. And so (laughs) I I see (laughs) quite obvious. And so I wanted to do education for undergrad. They told me I couldn't do it in three years. I said, "Okay, have a nice day. So I switched majors to psychology. I went into medicine at first. Actually, I worked as a nursing aide and a nursing technician in a geriatric floor in a hospital. And then God just showed up like a few years of doing that. And I saw an opportunity of a paper just folded underneath a phone. And it said, if you want to get your master's degree, it was a, a initiative by the governor of New York. Um, we're paying for people to go into education if you want to get that degree. And so the thing I said I wanted to do at the age of five came back to me, you know, yeah. like almost like 20 years later and mm-hmm. it was paid for. And that got me on the path back to where I was supposed to be. Like my mom said, oh, finally, you're on track. She's like, I don't know what this whole working in the hospital thing was about, but now you're on track based on what you said you wanted to do at the age of five. Um, so I got back on track to where I wanted to be. It's, it's, I always said it, it's, it was my, it's my mission field. Like going to work was good. Like going to church for me. Yeah. That's how I saw it. Like Ooh. I just absolutely love what I, what I do. You say going to work is like going to church. Break that down. Talk to me about it. Because if for me, it was, it's the serving. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. leadership you need, like leadership is the thing that, but my leadership, what I did came from my serving mm-hmm. and I felt like I was going to work every single day and I was just serving God's children. Yeah. And that's how I saw them. I saw it as an honor and a privilege, not a job. Yeah. Now working in the system is very challenging. Mm-hmm. That's just the nature of the beast. But me going in every day was serving, was serving his Pete, was serving his kids. It was an honor for me that he would allow me to shepherd his children as a principal. Because yeah. that means that you really believe and you've instilled in me and I'm moving forward with really helping to do something about kids in this particular community. So that's why I said for me, it was more like going to church because every day, Sometimes I got my babies in the auditorium. They don't know I'm praying over them before I start talking to them. (laughs) Come on. I love that. So this was purpose-filled mission for you. Um, This was heartfelt mission for you. Oh, this is beautiful. Yes. Um, And so that's for me right now, um, even stepping outside of the sort of like brick and mortar and me doing this um, doctoral program is for me to get to... I want to get to the sort of the cogs that really make education turn in a more effective way for kids. Mm-hmm. So it's like 
what is it exactly that we're missing that we're not providing teachers with so they're unable to provide it for kids and so that's sort of like what my current mission is is I want to crack open that code and figure out if teachers get this particular whatever it is experience in their learning then they could provide this experience for students to learn and so that's where I am currently. I think you've done that. I'm going to be honest. I mean, think about what you, I mean, the work you, what you explained to me and how you, how you got your leaders together to think outside the box, to see things from a different perspective. I, I think you found that, that niche. I think sometimes we get so fixated on what we think things should look like because it's been done this way for so long. But when we get outside the box and we try some, some different approaches um, and we get a few buy-ins, um, man, I think it, I think that's the impact right there. I think that's the impact right there. I think you're doing a phenomenal job. I know you said this earlier, and I'm going back to your your, your team um, and um, some of the challenges that you were experiencing with them, um, getting them to get on board with the new the new outlook, the new vision for life. Um, get my thought here. And I know you said, hey, listen, th- I see teachers walking away. I see teachers leaving. There, there's a gap here. Talk to me more about that gap. And, and, and I hear you say, you mentioned it now, but talk to me more about that gap. And w- what is it you, you think may be missing? And how, how can, what's the next move, I suppose? What do you think is miss, missing and how do you think you look to move forward? I with that? think what's missing, because um, I've heard it frequently enough, is that they're not being invited. They're being dictated and told what to do. We're talking to the teachers. Teachers. Mm-hmm. They're not they're not stakeholders. They're not being brought to the table. Mm. They're not being valued in having ideas to our current solutions. Like oh, that's good. They, people don't a lot of the times we don't look, like I said, the answer is nine out of ten times in the room. It's in the yeah. school. Mm-hmm. And so a lot are if just I look on social media, they just don't feel valued in the profession anymore. Mm-hmm. And no one quite knows how to how to how to support or solve the gap. So we've always had a gap in education. Like I could speak for working in the South Bronx, a lot of the times the kids just came to high school and they were below where they needed to be. That was just the nature of the beast. However, the gap widened during the pandemic and we're and currently what i see is a lot of running around in crisis mode and so everybody's like on this hamster wheel going try this do this bring this program and try this program Da-da-da. i still have a lot of friends on the inside and it's a lot of band-aids but no real solutions mm. and so the frustration that teachers have right now is can you allow us to talk about what some of the solutions are, but it's like they're being muted. Hmm. And so they're just frustrated and they're sick and tired of let's try this initiative. Let's try this initiative. Let's try this initiative. So it's just like, I'm going to give you this cookie cutter possible solution that may work for two or three of your kids in a classroom of, of 25 or 30, But can we talk about collectively what could work and can we come to the table? And a lot of what I'm hearing and seeing is they're just not being invited to those conversations. Not being invited to the conversation. What's 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 some of that conversation look like? What are some of those ideas, those 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 
teachers bring to the table? Like, what do they think could could be more useful or impactful for your community of stakeholders? Well, a lot of them are concerned, like I was. I was on the same. I was on the same trajectory. I had a conversation as well with my supervisor when I said, "Hey." We have these babies coming in and, and t- other teachers have had the same conversation. I've been a part of those conversations where they said, we have these babies coming in. They're coming to high school on a ninth grade level for ninth grade. But however, we're talking about now they're reading on an elementary third, fourth grade level. Hmm. What what are some things that we can do about that situation as opposed to just constantly pushing ahead? How do we actually do things or bring in a program if we have to go that route that's going to start to close that gap so that yeah. they're more successful? Yeah. And so teachers have a recommendation in terms of like doubling certain class, like English classes, for example, in high school, like let's give them an actual reading period in mm. addition to their the English class that they have. Let's, you know, have the additional support for them, not just tutoring after school, because a lot of them, especially in high school, elementary school is different, but in high school, they're out the door. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the times it's because they have to work to help pay bills or have mm. money in their own pockets just because it's the community that we're in. Um, so like, how do you close those gaps and teachers have recommendation in certain areas of expertise, whether it's a program or a methodology that they have or a strategy that they have, but they're using it in isolation. So you're frustrated mm. and we wow. can't bring it to the table and see if this is something that's applicable that could help everyone. Wow. 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 Man, that's, 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 that's powerful. Um, and what I, I think what I, I heard here too, is that, uh, we got students that's reading below the national average. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. That's a huge, it's, it's a conversation that <clears throat> most, no, most people don't want to have because right. they don't know necessarily how to solve it. And the people mm. that have the answers, it's going to take time. Yeah. And that's one of the things that we negate in education is mm-hmm. we want everything fixed like yesterday. Like I call it, you want a microwave solution for a problem that's been that's been in existence for decades. We can't microwave this in 60 seconds. We got to put something in place that's going to take some time. And they don't want to hear that. Absolutely. I think, I, but you know, I mean, in everything that we do, I think this whole world uh, wants microwave success. We want everything overnight. And it just, it's a process. It takes time. It takes, uh, it takes leaders like you to go in and, uh, pull, knock the walls out, <laughs> so to speak. And get, but then get, you get labeled as a, <laughs> but then you get Dwayne, but then you get labeled as a non-team player. <laughs> what? Well, that's because everybody like things comfort, comfortable, man. Yes, um, yes, everybody yes. like things come. Nobody don't like change, man. I yes. don't like change, but I thought <laughs> I, I don't like change. All right. So, so, um, I want to, I want to push, push us a little forward. Um, I, I, I was on your website and I saw recipes. I, I know you do some coaching. Talk to me more about Julia Bailey's foundation, uh, and consulting what she does. So yeah, there are recipes on there because I'm so secret about educators. We have the worst diet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. So give me this. So give me an example of a worst diet for educators. 
So for example, um, we eat a lot of, and I was guilty of doing this as well. Sometimes I brought in nice fruits, um, apples and oranges and stuff on Monday because we would have that additional um, professional development time. <laughs> but on Fridays, that was a different thing. We're having pastries. We're having bagels. <laughs> we're having, when people are stressed and they're like, I got to get this done. We're ordering fried chicken and french fries from the corner deli. Listen, um, y'all doing the right thing, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> you know, we're going to the corner store and we're grabbing the bags of snacks that's just going to keep us going with all the different color, red 40, yellow, whatever, you know, that's just not, we tell the kids not to do it, but then we're doing it. Um, so yeah, we just, we just did, we don't have the, the, we don't have the healthiest. And so one of the things educators suffer when they, if, and when they make it to retirement with mm -hmm. a lot of health concerns, yeah. um, because we've pushed ourselves through beyond our possible limit, because it's one of those professions. Like I always say, you can't leave it at the door. Mm -hmm. um, you don't get to clock out and shut your computer down at four or five o'clock and say, now I'm going to go home and transition to my family or myself. Nine out of 10 times you're correcting papers, you're, you're planning, you're concerned about a child situation that took place and you're trying to figure out who you can call to still. So it, it's sort of like that thing where I always told my staff, the school year stops, it doesn't end. That's good. That's so we're constantly, we give so much of ourselves in this particular field that we, a lot of the times, don't nourish and take care of ourselves. So that's why I slapped those um, quick recipes up there. But my heart and soul is, and I also am certified as a health and wellness coach as well. Okay. Um, I took some time out to make sure that I did that component because I really go, a lot of the professional development that I'm currently doing is going in and supporting educators with their professional, their personal and their professional stress. Yeah. So like looking at your personal and professional stress and how do we, and I, I don't want to say work-life balance. I know that's a word that a lot of people know, but how do we get that harmony going? Come on. I wish I had an applaud button for that. Yes. <laughs> yes. But, I, yes. The rhythm. Go ahead. I'm rhythm. sorry. Yeah. Let's yeah. do the rhythm. Let's get that harmony going because sometimes yeah. you're going to have, you know, you're going to ebb and flow. Some is going to be a little bit more than others. But how do we get that harmony going where we're not burning ourselves out? So, which is actually what I just did in Boston and in, in Finland, just do, doing that work on yourself because we bring our personal into our professional and vice versa. Yeah. So where and how do we get this harmony going so that we can be better people and we can be healthier people, we can make it to retirement and enjoy it. Um, so there's that component that I do and I'm huge on communication and student engagement. So that's another big workshop that I do in terms of supporting adults with understanding how to communicate with students. And then how do we get that dialogue going in the classroom? How do we allow students to be able to self-assess? That's another huge component um, of my practice. Mm -hmm. And then just being able to come in and support new teachers in their work. That's good, man. That's real good. I, and I think they need it. I, I heard it um, just from this conversation um, that te te teachers are fading out. They're burning out. Um, and they feel they don't they're not feeling um, 
um, welcome or appreciate it. Mm-hmm. And, and that can be challenging. You know, um, I love that. I truly love that. So I'm about to close this thing out, but I do have one final question for you. Sure. And that is um, educators from the male perspective. What's your outlook on that? And what do we need more male educators? Yes. Talk to me about We do. We do. It's, it's there. Male educators um, being that role model that a lot of our young men need to be able to see. And I'm not just talking in high school. I'm talking from elementary school on up. Mm. Um, It's, it's, it's non-existent. Um, You're thinking I had, maybe 20 to 25% of my staff at the time were males. Oh, wow. Um, and the rest was, it's a female dominated, it's a female dominated career field. Um, but we so. need more males in the career field. One, for me, one of the major components is so that the, so that kids our our generation that's growing up sees it as a viable career path. Mm-hmm. And the more examples they see, then they will go into the career path because they'll see that this is a viable career path for men. Um, And so that's one thing. And so and then the other thing is is just having that role model, having that bond, being speaking with a female, um, you know, teacher or staff member as a male student, your needs are just different. Mm -hmm. And yes, we can speak to you. We can have those conversations with you. But the lens of a man in the field of education is vital and it's important and it is lacking. It is. It is. Um, I see. A, I mean, I, today I've I, I recognized more men in the field of education. I remember growing up, we had a good friend by the name of Dwight. Um, and um, we we used to uh, pick on Dwight because his passion was to go be an educator. He started off in the elementary and he's an educator today. Um, and so when I look back, when I look back at one my ignorance, um, I think to your point, men, young men need to see men in in this this uh, this profession um, so they can get a different different outlook. I think so often we uh, we we glorify the, the NBA star, the football player. Um, or the hockey player, whatever they, that that may look like, right? Um, but we don't lift up and admire our educators. So hats off, definitely to all educators. But that on those men, I think uh, having men in that in that place is a powerful um, outlook uh, for for future educators. Good stuff. It is because, um, like one of the things, and I think that's one of one of my prayers in terms of being able to get it back in, in this country and every country is understanding that at the end of the day, education is, is your base foundation for society. And everything comes out of that experience. And so having that equity between men and women in the field would just make that much of a vast difference, I believe. Good stuff. Real good stuff. All right, Julia Bailey, this has been phenomenal. I really enjoyed myself. Um, you are a treat, uh, no doubt. Please talk to the people. Tell the people how they can learn more about what you do and how you serve. So you can learn more about what I do. Uh, JB Academic Consulting is my business. 
that I own. And you can reach me at juliabally.com. That's juliabally.com. And there you can do a 45-minute consultation as to how we can work together, either one-on-one or coming into your school community to support your teachers, your new teachers, to provide professional development and my personal favorite student engagement. Come on. Love it. Love it. Love it. Now, my last my last question. How can I serve you? How, you know, wh- how can we as um, Dwayne Robertson Associates leadership help you make the impact you desire to make? Um, excellent question in terms of, well, one, I just, inviting me on here. Thank you very much. And just being able to have that access to, you know, more viewers And um, just being able to be in this space, I believe, will be and is a blessing in itself. So I appreciate that. Um, And any other upcoming opportunities where I can be, where I'm able to share what I do and what I believe is needed in the field of education, I definitely welcome in the future. Phenomenal. Listen, guys, don't miss the opportunity. Connect with Julie Bailey. She's doing phenomenal things out in NYC. Um, for you educators that's saying, hey, you know what? I, I am. I'm, I'm burnt out. I, I just don't know what else to do. Go check out her webpage, juliabailey.com. Schedule your one-on-one consultation call. That's it. Says the clock on the wall. I want to say thank you for guys for taking time with us. Please, whatever you do, share the feed, tag a friend, let them know that the leader shift was live. Thank you and God bless. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Leadership Podcast with Dwayne Roberts. We hope you found inspiration and practical wisdom that will help you in your leadership journey. If you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review. We love to hear your feedback and suggestions for future episodes. Remember, true leadership begins with you. Leadership is not a position. Leadership is not a title. Leadership is having positive influence on others. Keep shifting. Keep growing. Keep leading with purpose. You can stay connected with Dwayne Roberts on all the social media platforms or by visiting our website, DwayneHRoberts.com. We want to say thank you. Remember, you have everything you need to make the leaders shift in your life. That's because your success is in your hands. Till next time, God bless.